0: Finding uh, the person to come and join you and journey with you in your space. I have a friend. Let's call him Aziz. And this, this is not his picture and that's not his name. And the reason is this because Aziz comes from a country where, if it were known that he were Christian and the he had visited that country, he would be at risk of his life. He would probably be jailed and tortured, maybe even killed. So I said to Aziz, Aziz, why did you follow Jesus? He started reading the New Testament and he decided to become a Jesus follower. And I said to him, why did you follow Jesus? And he said to me, he said, because Jesus is eternal. There's something about Jesus that attracted him. There's something about what Jesus said and did. That changed his life. We're in the Gospel of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark, as we saw last week, starts out with this idea that this is good news of Jesus. And I want to say this morning that Jesus eats and brings good news. Not just because of what he said. Not just because of what he did. But because of who he is. And this morning we will encounter a, a brief passage and we will go, well, there's a lot in that. It's about who Jesus is and how he invites you into that to be good news and experience this good news. In this Gospel of Mark, it's very short, it's very punchy, and we believe that Mark uh, got a lot of his information from the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, for those of you who don't really know much about him, he was one of the first disciples of Jesus, he was like the leader. Uh, he was a man who got things done and said, so this gospel is very short and sharp, it's very punchy, it's very, it, it's in your face, it's, it, it's moving, there's moving to this. There's something happening to bring about a change. I believe in this church, there's something happening, and there's always something happening, but particularly for the season rain to bring about a change. So let's read Mark right, chapter 1, verse 10 we'll be on the at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in Jordan. Last week, we saw that this word Jordan was where the Israelites crossed over. And so, this is they crossed over from Egypt, really, with the land wandering in the desert to the promised land. So, this is like an ideal of a reset. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you. Ah, my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. something here that links us back to the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. If something else was happening, then you see the same three people. Well, the Gospel of John will tell us Jesus was there too. But here we see definitely two of the mystery, Genesis 1, verse 1 to 3. Is the beginning of everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And there's something about it happened here. And the Spirit of God was hovering, clattering bleeding over the waters. And God said, so God speaking. And again, just like we saw in the baptism passage, there was, there was this The Spirit of God came down on Jesus like a dove, flat There was the Father speaking, and there was the Son doing the will of God. The Gospel of John will tell us in the beginning that Jesus himself created all things. All things were done through him, accomplishing the will of the Father. You see, friends, this Gospel is wanting us to know we're linking back to Genesis. We're linking back to this new creation, the start of the world, where this universe was formed. Something is happening here as this person, Jesus, to my friend, as he is he's called, Jesus a Gentleman, something is happening as he's getting to this world to bring about a change. We see it further as we read a little bit further in the Gospel of Mark, as we as we see what else Jesus is doing, and we will see this further in the book as we go into it, Mark 1, 12 and 13, the Spirit immediately draws him out into the wilderness. This is Jesus. The Holy Spirit driving him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. What on earth is going on here? Well, think back to Genesis. Think about the person that was in the Garden of Eden. I'll paint the story if you don't know what's so well. God created the heavens and the earth, and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he said to them, you know, walk with me, be in relationship with me, know me. And, and it was perfect, and the animals were gentle, and, and, and Adam named the animals. And when he got to Australia, he sort of ran out of things, you know, some weird animals came don't know what. Um, But nature was just at peace with everyone, and, and humankind, men and women, were at peace with God, but there was this key in the center of it. And God said, will you obey me, or will you follow me, will you love me? And, and not disobey me, don't eat from that tree. There was a tree that Adam and Eve disobeyed. They saw their lives revolving around themselves and what they wanted, and there was this accuser, this deceiver, the word Satan, accuser. There was this accuser talking to Adam and Eve and saying, you know, what? If you eat that tree, you know, would be like God, just imagine that, you know, wow. Here comes, as we read in the Gospel, and further on in the New Testament, and I know I'm sort of jumping in a couple of steps for those of you who are new to faith. Jesus comes as the second Adam. Instead of being in the garden, he's in the wilderness, because I got thrown out, remember? He's in the wilderness. He's with the accuser again accusing him, and we we'll are reading, in, in Luke, for example, where, where the accuser actually questions what the father has said, if you are the son, says the accuser again, and notice the animals are wild. It's like the second Adam has come to remake this world. And friends, there will also be a tree in the future for Jesus. Remember, the word is called the cross tree. There ought to be a that Jesus will encounter where he will be tested whether you obey the Father's will or not. And there's a whole lot of backstory, but that's what's taking place, some of what's taking place in them. You're oh, well, that sounds interesting, but how does it affect me today in this world where I am? How does it affect me in my life and the things I face in the week? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. This passage that we read in Mark, where we see the Father, we see the Spirit, we see the Son. I don't know if you notice, but it's from the perspective of Jesus. Look at it again. Mark 1, 10 to 11, Jesus. just As Jesus was coming up out of the water, He saw heaven. It's torn open. This one is from the perspective of Jesus. Some of the other Gospels have got a different perspective. But we get an insight into the Trinity here. We get an insight into the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We get this view of how they work. And friends, the Trinity is a, a, the word, the Bible doesn't say there's a Trinity. But when we read the Bible, that's the only way we make sense of it. It talks about there being one God, but yet there are three persons. It doesn't mean there's like three people who sort of hang around together and sort of like each other. And it doesn't mean there's just one God who sort of shows up in three different persons. No, they are always three, but they are always one. There is this unity of how they're working together. But I want you to notice something. The Father affirms the Son. He says, you are my Son and you are well pleased. The Spirit of God is hovering over Jesus and folding him empowering him for ministry. There is an affirmation of each other within the Trinity, each honoring the other, each bringing glory to the other, each putting the other first. Amelius like is a theologian and he said this. He says, the Bible says the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit glorify one another, they exalt, commune with, and defer to the other. Notice these words. Each harbors the others at the center of his being. Maybe, they, maybe we understand how when Jesus said the Holy Spirit it's not just going to talk about his own things bring on his own agenda. He's going to speak about me. Because the Holy Spirit does bring honor to the others, to the Father and Son. And so the Father and Son bring honor to the Holy Spirit. At the center of their being there is this God, this, this Godhead who who continuously works in this relationship, and they demonstrate to us what it means to be truly alive in this universe. It's an insight into what we would do for, for relationships where the other is honored, for relationships where we are affirmed by the other, where we find our meaning and purpose in the other, just as the Godhead revolves around each other. Instead of being self-centered, our other-centered toward each other, You see, friend, there's a a reset happening here. For our world, the world where we were lost in self-absorption, where we were wanting the world to orbit around us, the Father, Son, and Spirit, instead, they orbit around each other, affirming each other. How does that affect you and I? You see, for Jesus, and you'll see from next week, Jesus is going to invite us into this journey. Not just to hear from Him, not just to model our lives on Him, but to actually be connected to Him in a way that is mysteriously, profoundly enriching. And Jesus is going to invite you into this journey with Him, where you are actually going to be connected to Him. You see, friends, as the Father speaks to Jesus and He says to Him, you are my Son, and you are well pleased. And then it says Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led into the desert. That's Luke. He was anointed by the Spirit. There is the sense that Jesus' ministry flowed from his identity. You ask, you ask me the question, you oh, go, well, he's the Son of God. You know, of course he knew he was. Friends on earth. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus deliberately laid aside any right to hold on to that power. Yes, He was the Son of God. is the Son of God. Always will be the Son of God. But He laid it aside to walk this earth as a human being, still God, but as a human being in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He wanted to teach you and I how to live like this. There's no point if we have God come walk on earth and He has this incredible example that you and I can't do it. What point is all for him to say, come and follow me and be like me, if he's God and we're just human? No, oh, we're human nature, friends. He teaches us to live like he did. We will never be the son of God. We will never die for the sins of the world. I get that. Again, everything else is calling us into relationship with him. And so his identity, his ministry flowed from what the Father said to him. This is good news. Friends, the good news is that Jesus Christ took on our humanity so that we could take on his identity for all pain. There's a whole lot of ways we can paint what good the good news is. I'm painting it in a certain way this morning. The good news here with this story it's that Jesus Christ has taken on our humanity in the birth, in His birth on this earth. He's taken on our humanity so that we can take on His identity for all eternity. It's not automatic. There is a sense that we need to put our faith in Him, trust Him, follow Him, and we see from next week what it means to repent and turn from our ways and put Jesus or God at the center of our lives. We'll see that next week. It's not automatic. But there is a sense that as we step into following him and receive him into our lives, that we take on his identity. The book of Romans 8 says it this way The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Ladies, you're reading that and you're going, well, what about us? When the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus. It's not about gender. It's about position. Some places in the Bible, the men are called the blood of Christ, okay? So we've got to be okay with that. Ladies, you are in the Son of God. When the Father looks at you, he sees you in Jesus. You have been adopted into sinship. And By that, by Him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we have got children. There is a sense that God affirms us and goes, I'm pleased with you. Because of Jesus. You because of Jesus. Your identity, friends, has been redefined as you follow Jesus and make him the Lord. Your identity has been redefined by your relationship with God. You take on His identity. The Bible says to us, You are. This world will tell us, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're awkward, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too thin, you have no value. That's what the accuser will tell you, Satan. He wants to undermine what God says to you says to you in Christ, you are loved. Mm-hmm. We have a choice, friends. There are two cycles that we can get into. And this was developed by two people, Frank Lake and, and Emma Buna, in the 1960s, who we were concerned about missionaries burning out. There's something they called the grief cycle. And we all get stuck in this. But then your, where your identity is deeply connected to what you do. In other words, when you, when you, when you, when you feel, I have to prove myself, so you, you, you do things. And you work hard at them. And you're driven. And if you do well, you feel good about yourself. And if you don't do well, you feel bad about yourself. And the, bit, the, the, the thing about that cycle of grief is once you've done something well and you go, yeah, I feel good about myself, well, tomorrow you've got to do it all over again. That's the cycle of grief. That's the cycle we get into when we don't have security in who we are in Christ Jesus. The opposite of it is the cycle of grace, where what you do and how you live is deeply connected to your identity in God. God says to you, you are my child. You, you, in Christ, you are loved. And, and so we, what we do flows from that. There's security. And, and there's this, this sense of, of wanting to work for God. We accept it unconditionally. We're in the cycle of grace. And so our ministry flows from who we are. Not the other way around. See, sometimes, and I'm getting a little bit of script, but on my phone, the picture I've got there on, on my home screen, it's gone now, but I don't have a picture of it. but it's the a picture of Rembrandt, it's a painting of Rembrandt and the prodigal son, right on screen, a bit of script. Why have I got that on my phone? That parable of the prodigal son, really the prodigal son, says Tim Taylor will tell us. He said there was this person who, who left home and, and his identity was wrapped up in what he had, what he did, and he's spending, and he had friends as long as he could do that, but then he ran out of all of that. And so he came home thinking, perhaps I'll be a servant or a slave in my father's household. But the father runs out and embraces him and puts on the son in his robe and gives him this identity as a son, it?" But what we forget is says, the older brother in that story who's been working hard for his father, and he's upset that his father showers so much love on his son. This older son was just as lost because he thought he could win the father's love by obeying him, by working hard for him. And so, friends, sometimes we get into this cycle of things where we have to live our life in a certain order. We have to do things right, and unless we do them right, God doesn't love us. That's the grief cycle. The father says instead, I love you. You are in my son. You are accepted. Jesus Christ has come to model the way and be the way. This is good news. You are accepted, and therefore, what I do for God flows from that relationship. My obedience to God flows from that relationship. Friends, lastly, Only when we are secure in our identity can we begin to honor and respect each other like Jesus offers us to. Where we're not expecting others to orbit around our desires, around our wishes, around our thoughts, because our hearts are idle factories, as John Calvin said. But perpetually, perpetually building this idol to self. And if we're not careful, friends, we will want people to orbit around who we are. But Jesus says, "A new commandment I give you." I think he was replacing most of the other command- commandments. He said, "A new commandment I give you: Love each other as I have loved you." In other words, that you will honor others and seek the honor of others rather than your own honor. Most of our marriage problems. Breakdown in relationships, in marriages, in families, in the church, at work, in politics, as we've seen, as there've been the worst week in politics and living memory in the last week. Most of these breakdowns, friends, at their heart, have the sense of where somebody wants other people to orbit around their point of view. But in the church, in Christ, we orbit around other, we honor each other, because that is what the Father and the Son do. If you've come from from a background, you have friends where you feel well, you don't quite match the cut. You don't have the right dress. You don't have the right background. You don't have the, the right social niceties <laughs> about you. Jesus is saving you. He brings you honor, double honor, and we honor you too. Friend. You see, friends, when we want the world to orbit around us, that's exactly what we're in you Eat this fruit, you will be like God. Wow. Life will orbit around us. Instead, God says, sends His Son. The Father and Son are orbiting around, the Spirit orbiting around, orbiting around each other, and the Son says, Follow me. Come and live like I do. Friends, the good news is that Jesus Christ took on our humanity so that we could take on His identity for all. That's right. things. How do you put this into practice? First, to be baptized. It's a command. If you're not a follower of Jesus, consider entering into this dance, as C.S. Lewis would put it. Be baptized. Be drawn into God. The water doesn't do it for you. It's the, it's the symbolism of it. It's the declaration of it. It's in that moment. You're identifying with what Jesus did. you baptized. You're having a baptism first. You're baptized. Secondly, I don't that you are God's beloved and secure because of Jesus Christ. If I ever doubt that, it means I'm doubting what he's done for me. I want to beat you up for that. A human heart keeps going off that path, but God will keep reminding us that you are His. Beloved. Third, let me encourage you friends to bring transformation to this world as you work on honoring other followers of Jesus rather than yourself. And when the world sees that, they will want to beat down this door to come. And know this Jesus who is so transformed out of It's Jesus who is a gentleman. The Jesus who is and brings goodness. Let me pray. I want to pray a declaration is service to you this morning. I trust you feel comfortable listening. Father, I want to pray this prayer that. I have in my heart for each person here. The Lord, is, uh, as I pray this, might they echo that. Might your spirit echo this in their heart. Okay. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you love me and that you please with me because of Jesus. See me as I am and what I am becoming, not as my past. My identity comes from whom you say, I am. I am the child of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for me on the cross and rose again from the dead. Thank you that you're coming back to judge and rule and reign, and I am seated with you in the heavenlies. You have overcome sin and death and the devil on my behalf. I am co with you, Jesus, and have your blessing, your seal, and your authority. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I am your temple, that you are teaching me, empowering me, and molding me to be more like Jesus. I yield to you. I surrender my thoughts and plans to you and ask you, ask you to show me your will, Father. Ask you to fill me for the truth. and to display the character of Jesus the desire to know you more today. What do you want me to do? Father, in this short passage, we are so honored that you have included this in your word. That well, we got an insight into how you the Son and the Spirit honor Israel. I pray, Lord, that you would apply this to our hearts through the precious blood of Jesus and through his victory over sin and death and the death. And as we trust in you, Jesus, we will receive and know and be filled with life. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do this. give you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a thanks and honor and trust. Help us to honor each other this morning. Help us to see you in the other person. Help us to take the time. to more to be part of the solution, and not part of the problem. Build us up in Christ we put. In Jesus' name. As usual, there'll be prayer straight after the service once the worship team has closed out the service. If you'd love to do some prayer on anything, just come and make use of that. I'll be in the front and I'll snark again if you'd be in the front with me. We would love to pray with you. Anything you want us to pray with, we'll be there